Man, full house this morning. Turn around and look around, man. So many people coming to IFC. Hey, if you're a guest with us, I want to just say, as Stephanie did, welcome home. My name is Josh Roberts. I'm the lead pastor. And we want to just say welcome to church today. Thank you for coming. Come on, you can do better than that. And I'm going to ask you to do me a big favor. All of our friends and family watching around the world, would you make some noise for those watching online? Our missionaries, our friends, we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to IFC. And on behalf of, of me, I want to just say happy Mother's Day to all the mamas in the house. Uh, what, what an incredible group of people God has brought together here. And, and every part is important. But today I want to recognize the moms. Thank you for doing what you do. You know, I realize there's a role of a dad, there's a role of a mom, and thank God he created us differently, all the men said. I watched those mamas uh, yesterday with those new babies, and I thought I could never give birth to a baby. But all these strong women, I want to say a big shout out to my wife. Thank you for being an amazing mother to, to my kids, our kids. Thank you for raising them in, in um, admonition of God's word. Thank you for raising me. Sometimes we... Sometimes she tells people she has three kids, but she's raising four of us. And all the wives elbowed your husbands and said, yeah, I'm still taking care of you. And I want to give a special shout out to my mom, all the way from Boston to Las Vegas. I love you, mom. Thank you for putting the word in me at an early age. Thank you for raising me to be a godly man. I'm here because of your faithfulness. And again, from our house to your house, all the moms. You say, maybe um, I'm not a mom. Uh, my kids are grown or whatever. You're still a mom. You'll always be a mom. Maybe you've lost babies in the past. Maybe they've gone home early. You're still a mother. There's still a grace on your life. Maybe you are a spiritual mother to others. I think we downplay the role of that. Well, I don't have natural kids, but maybe you've played a, a role spiritually in helping raise some other young people up in the way of the Lord. We honor you today, and we, uh, we're going to bless you at the end of the service. I'm going to ask Steph to pray for you, but thank you for being here today. Hey, today is um, a, a brand new series I've had two weeks off, so I'm, I'm kind of antsy to preach. Are y'all ready to hear the word today? And I'm going to ask for your help today. We had um, two guest speakers back to back. I was away. Uh, last week, I was with a group of pastors. I think I told you about that a few weeks ago. Thank you for allowing us to go. I took 13 pastors plus myself to Charleston, South Carolina for a four-day retreat where we got to relax. We got to rest. We got to meet with counselors. We got to uh, unburden ourselves and we got to go fishing. We played some golf. Uh, we slept a lot. We ate a lot of good southern food. Any southerners in the house? Yeah, we had some good old cooking. Shrimp and grits for breakfast. I forgot how tasty that is. I think they're going to serve that at the marriage supper for the lamb. So all of you that haven't had it, you'll get that then. Uh, but I want to just say uh, thank you for your generosity because you so so regularly that you give so freely. You're such a generous church that we were able to underwrite that, um, that retreat for all those pastors. And I got to tell you, I didn't have any idea how powerful it would be. I, I knew we were going to have fun. And I knew we were going to rest and I knew we were going to goof off. But I didn't realize how many of these pastors were on the edge of burnout. Frustrated, tired, worn out. COVID just zapped their energy and zapped their strength. And some of them wondering, should I even continue to pastor? Should I even continue to move forward with this? God, are you even still using me? And because of your generosity, we're able to provide four days of just rest, relaxation. Again, they got some great counsel. We had some great wisdom from some, some giants in the faith. And so, again, I want to I say a huge thank you for your generosity. Today, we're starting a brand new series called I Am. 
Would you say, I am? am. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this phrase, simple, short phrase, I am, but I want to look at it through the lens of us encountering Jesus. A lot of times we come to church and uh, I, I'm, I'm funny sometimes. I'm probably not going to be that funny today. So if you came for the, for the jokes, you can come back next week. I promise to be funny next week. And, and I love to tell stories and I love to illustrate the gospel uh, with my own life stories. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go there today. So um, take a deep breath. I'll do that next week. But I want to I ask you to prepare your hearts for the message that, that God's going to bring for the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. And sometimes you come to church and you take notes, which I think you totally should take notes. I, I'm a big believer in taking notes. But I, I, sometimes I take notes on like the good PowerPoints that the pastor brings. And many times, as you'll see, we put them up on the screen. Sometimes I'll have like, hey, five ways to have more joy in your life, five ways to raise your kids better, 75 ways to hear the voice of God, or 655, I'm just kidding, we never go that deep, but sometimes it's kind of a bullet list, and sometimes it's point by point, and today I I don't want to do that, I I want to talk about Jesus, the Son of God, and my prayer is that you would pick some things up, but my prayer is more than you picking some things up and writing some things down, that, that you would catch a glimpse of who he was, who he is. And who he's always going to be. Who he was, who he is today, and who he's going to be for eternity. And again, my prayer is that after these four weeks, that us, you as individual families, but us as a collective family, that we would have a greater understanding of who Jesus Christ is in our life and that we would have a greater relationship with him. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where things didn't go right, or things seemed cloudy or murky, I didn't have direction, and I thought, man, if I could just have coffee with Jesus, I could ask him these questions, and he'd sort it all out. You ever had those times? Maybe some of you are here today, you said, man, if I could just have coffee with Jesus, just like an hour at Starbucks, some of y'all live at Starbucks. Some of us work at Starbucks a lot. I, I like going to Starbucks. I, I like, uh, I, there's a place I like called Cafe Nero. Anybody, they, they're a roaster. I, I like coffee, so I'm going to talk about coffee quite a bit. Sometimes a, a conversation over a cup of coffee with someone where there's been a misunderstanding. Your hope is, let's get together and talk it out and I'll get some clarity. And, and I, I've thought for many times that I would want that. And, and, and then I thought about the disciples and realized that, man, they had three years with him walking beside him, watching him do ministry, and then them doing ministry with him. They witnessed miracles. They heard his sermons. They heard his sermons live, not repeated, by the way. They didn't go back and watch it on YouTube. They didn't hear from someone. They were there in the moment. And, and, and a lot of times when you read the scripture, they still had so many questions. Even right up to the very end, before he died, before he left, they had so many questions because the truth is, is the Jesus that they were meeting was not the Messiah they thought they would meet. They thought that the Messiah would look like this, talk like this, he would act like this, and that he would save the world in a certain capacity, but surely not the way that Jesus was telling them. They, a lot of them, for, for, for the three and a half years, they heard, they watched, they saw, but they really didn't believe. Because they had questions they were wrestling with, and the things that he was saying didn't make sense with the way that they were raised in Jewish culture. He was actually disrupting what they were taught. 
The Jewish people believed that he was coming to, to overthrow the government. And what they didn't understand was he was coming to set up his own kingdom. What a, what a contrary view. And so all along the way, they've got questions. They have concerns. And, and even right up to the fact where we see this verse in John 14, verse 6, he's with them and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Y'all ever read that scripture? Powerful verse, but these words actually confuse the disciples more. And I believe it still confuses Christians today. Let's look at the scripture and we'll use this text for the next few weeks as our basis for where we're going to go. And I'm going to talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. But he starts in John 14, 1. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's good news for some of us today because we come with broken hearts. We're in difficult situations. We're living circumstances that are beyond our reach and capacity. And I would say that to you as your pastor and as your friend today, just like he did in this moment with his buddies. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me also. Verse 2 says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. And if this weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Verse 3, when everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know, listen to this, he says, you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord. Now, hold on, Thomas, the, the crazy one. By the way, they were all kind of crazy. We like to talk about Peter being the crazy one. Thomas right here said, hold on, hold up. We don't, we don't know where you go. We have no idea what you're talking about. And Jesus said, well, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had really known me, you would have known that my father, you would have known who my father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this amazing group of people, your children. Lord, I ask you to speak to them through this story and the scripture today to reveal not only who you are, but who Jesus is. Lord, give us ears to hear today what you want to say to us. Give us open hearts to receive from your word. And Lord, as always, I ask you to give me boldness to declare your word as you placed it in my heart today. All those listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think it needs a little context here to understand what's going on, but you need to understand Jesus is having dinner with his friends. How many of y'all like to eat? How, how many? Come on now. How many of y'all like to eat? Some of us more than others. I, I'm, I like to eat. I like to eat a lot. And I, what I like eating, what I like doing more than just eat, I like eating with my friends. I like eating with family. I like hanging out. I think there's something that happens uh, powerful over a table. This, this last week at the pastor's retreat, we had this table that seat 15 people. And, and we, the only requirement for the pastor's retreat was that you had to eat dinner with us. Hey, if you're coming, you got to eat, you got, you got to sit down and hang with us. And then after dinner, we sat and we had some conversation, we had some dialogue, some guided conversation by some spiritual leaders in our lives. And then that conversation led to the fire pit and then to the hot tub. But here's what happens. Something happens. I like hot tubs. Something happens. Of course, after you've eaten a big meal, you just want to go. Something happens over the table. 
And it was happening with Jesus at the table every time they gathered together. But this night was a little bit different because he was not only talking to them about what was going to happen, he was trying to tell them who he was. You and I have context for this story in the sense that we call it the Last Supper. Everybody say the Last Supper. And we know this is the story of the night before Jesus died. But here's the thing. They didn't know it was the Last Supper. You ever read the Bible and you think back like, oh, we know all this because we've read it. We have the story. We've got the playbook. But the people in the Bible, they didn't actually have context. They didn't know this was their last meal. They didn't know what he was talking about. And so imagine being invited to dinner with everybody and everything's cool. And then the guy that you're following starts talking crazy stuff. And people are looking at him, what's he, what's he talking about? What's happening here? All the teaching, training, and miracle working for the past three years in, in Christ's mind had led to this moment, and yet they still weren't getting it. Listen to this. Jesus knew he was going to die the next day, and so he wanted to give them the puzzle pieces so they could put it together later. His teaching about the atonement at dinner. We, we take communion here at church. If, if you're new with us, about once a month, uh, on an average, we take communion together. And we do it in remembrance of what happened this night. Elbow your neighbor and tell him to wake up. We, they, we take communion here, and what we do is we do it in remembrance of this story. They didn't know they were taking communion. Imagine him taking the French loaf and saying, hey, break that loaf. This represents my body, broken for you. And then he takes the glass of wine and says, hey, this is my blood, poured out for you. And they're like, what's, what's, he, what's he smoking, man? What's he, what's he talking about? When, when's, the, when's the gelato coming, man? I'm ready for dessert. He's talking about broken bodies and bloods. Of, Jesus, what's going on? They had no idea he was telling them. This is the last time we'll be gathered together. He continued to tell them not only that he would be with them for a short time, but that he would die as a sacrifice for them, that he would go to a place called heaven. Everybody say heaven, where, where they could not follow right now. And confused, they begin to ask Jesus questions like, hey, where, where are you going and how do we get there? And it's in his answer, listen to this, it's in his answer to this question that Jesus utters this powerful statement, I am. Everybody say, I am. So what does I am mean if, you, if you're a Greek or Hebrew theologian or you're just a Google theologian? Any Google theologians in here? Sometimes I'm a Google theologian. Sometimes I Google something to find out, like, hey, where's the best place to do this or that? Sometimes you can just go to Google. But here's what it means in the Greek. The word I am or the phrase I am is actually translated Yahweh. And Yahweh means God. And actually, in, in the breakdown of Yahweh, it means, listen to this, this is what Yahweh means. It means he brings into existence whatever exists. He's saying in the moment, I'm the one bringing things into an existence. I am Yahweh. I am God. You actually have to understand this because for them to hear this phrase from him, it was an intense way for Jesus to refer to himself because he's basically saying to them, I am, I always was, and I always will be. In that moment, they're going back to the early childhood of hearing about Yahweh and hearing about the Messiah. And now they're in this dinner having time with a guy that they believe in, but they're not sure what he's saying because he's saying to them, 
I am God. He's proclaiming right there once and for all. If the miracles didn't prove it, if the kindness didn't prove it, if everything you've heard me teach didn't prove it, let me tell you, I am Yahweh. I am the one who existed and created everything else that's in existence. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus refers to himself as I am He's declaring, I am God. And this word, I am, is not just any name of God. It refers to the power and authority of God. And in this moment at dinner with his friends, he's proclaiming, that's who I am. I am. I am. Later that evening, we find Jesus, he leaves the dinner party and he heads to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's met by Roman guards there and, and they come to him in John chapter 8. You can read John chapter 18. And they, they come to seek and arrest him and they said, hey, where's Jesus? Where is he? And he said, I am he. The Bible says that the words were so powerful that those men hit their knees right there in reverence because he was declaring, I'm God. I'm not some crazy philosopher. I'm not some weirdo. I'm not some self-hype guy. I'm not some whatever label they put on him in that time. He's saying, hey, you looking for the Messiah? I am he. And it says that even those that didn't know, they dropped on their knees in reference. And I believe that this is going to happen again. We believe in Revelation. It says that in one day, we're all going to stand before the Messiah. And every knee, every tongue, every tribe will confess that Jesus is Lord. And here's the choice we have. We can believe it now or we can believe it later. I choose to believe it now while I'm walking this earth. I choose to believe that he is who he said he was, that he is Yahweh. He is the creator of all things, of me and you. That everything stems from him because if I believe that in this season of my life, then guess what? I have the opportunity to walk in and exercise the authority that he gave the disciples because I too choose to follow him. But yet they didn't believe, some of them. It was four days later before they really believed because they came to the tomb and he wasn't there. And they say, wait a second, what, what do you mean he's, he's not here? And they said, oh, no, he's, oh, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I think in that moment the light bulb came on. Wait a second, he said he was going somewhere. He's not here. He's not where he's supposed to be. Where is Jesus? He was, I am. He was who he said he was. We first see this name for God appear in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, and I'd like to read this to you because it's a type and shadow of what we're reading right now with the disciples in the book of John. Let's look at Exodus, chapter 3. Y'all still awake? Forgive me, this isn't the Mother's Day message today. We have cookies and treats in the back, though. It's going to be awesome. Exodus, chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And verse two says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm gonna go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, 
God called to him from within the bush, and he called him Moses, Moses, and then Moses responded and said, here I am. In verse 5, God said, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for the place where I'm standing, where you are standing, it's holy ground. And then he began to tell him who he was. He said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this point, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Listen to this. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Jebusites. He goes through all the ites. And in verse 9, he says, And now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I have seen the way. Everybody say the way. The Egyptians are pressing them. So now, go. Go, Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring out my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? What are you talking about? Me? Who who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Are you kidding me? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God again on this mountain. Listen to this. In verse 13, Moses said to God, let's just suppose I'm going to do what you said I should do. Let's just roll this out. Let's, let's fast forward. Let's say I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what his name is. What should I tell them? God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. So many times we read the scriptures and we take it as an isolated event. When really a lot of times when you look at the Old Testament, it's a type and shadow forecasting and foreshadowing to what was to come. When you read the Bible, you should read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Everything from the, from the concordance in the back to the maps in the front, everything points to Jesus. Say it, everything points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. And so for many people, they believed the story of Moses and he was the great deliverer and all that, and that is true. But there's more to the story than that. He was giving us a picture that again, one day, I'm going to have to come down to earth and I'm going to have to redeem mankind and buy them back and I'm going to do it through my son, Jesus. The disciples were bewildered because they knew this story. They understood the great deliverance of the children of Israel. They believed that they were God's chosen people. They just didn't believe it was going to happen through this ordinary man. And yet when we look at Moses, he was an ordinary man. He was a murderer. He was a deserter. He ran. He was hiding. And guess what? You cannot run and outrun God's plan for your life. 
He is the creator of all existence and everything that exists, exists in him and for his purpose. And I believe in this moment with the disciples, they're hearing this story again because he's saying, I am. And they're saying, wait a second. That's what God told his name to Moses. And when he was going to be asked, who would send me? Say that I am sent me. Can you see this? That God was setting us up for so long to say, it's not going to be like you think. He's not going to look like you look. He's not going to act like you look. Again, they had this picture that he was going to come tear down the kingdom of the world and set it up. And he was saying, no, 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 no. You, you guys are missing it here. I am, but I'm not from this place. My prayer is that through these stories this next few weeks that you'll understand that not only was God sending Moses and that God was sending the disciples, but as you and I as Christ followers, he's empowering us and imploring us to go and to continue the work that he started. But you have to understand that it's not in your power. It's in the power that goes with you in us. Yeah, the Bible says that when we receive Christ, we have been transformed into his image and his likeness. We are recreated. And guess what? Your purpose is reset then. And each and every one of us have a calling to go into our workplaces and go into our neighborhoods and in our communities and in our schools and on our jobs. And knowing that we're not there by ourselves, we're there under the power of the great and mighty I am, Amen. Yahweh. He's not just with you. He's in us. When we walk our jobs every day, Jesus is not walking your job. He doesn't work in your cubicle, but you do, and he's in you. Hear me say this. You've got to get this today. You're on a mission from God, empowered by the greater one. Seven times in John, Jesus refers to himself as I am, and I want to walk you through this, and then Next week, we'll pick up with the I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I want to take you through these just for a moment before we close today. Because I think it's important that you understand that Jesus not only was who he said he was, he did what he said he would do. Look at this in John chapter 6. He says this statement, I am the bread of life. In this statement, Jesus is talking about who he is, but then he backs it up with something that he does. In fact, in this case, Jesus states that he is the bread of life, and it's just after he had fed 5,000 people. I am the bread of life. Now, let's feed some folks. Who's got some food? Where are you guys going to get food today? And they said, uh, 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 are you crazy? There's 5,000 men here, let alone women and children. Taco Bell closed a long time ago. He already knew what he was going to do. He was declaring who he was, and they bring the five loaves and the two fishes from the little boy. You've studied this story, and it says that he blessed it. And they begin to pass out the bread and the fish, and it began to multiply and multiply and multiply. And I think the whole time they're seeing the miracle happen, but they're realizing he is who he said he is. This isn't hype. He's not some crazy man. He is the bread of life, and we're seeing bread multiplied right now to the tune of 12 basketfuls overflowing after they were done. Jesus declaring who he is and then backing it up with his work. The second one, Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. The 
This is the second I am statement that he makes in John's gospel. And it comes right at the right time because in the next move, he turns around and he heals a man who was born with blindness. Jesus not only said, I'm the light of the world, but then he actually walks down into humanity and prays for a man who's never had vision before. Every time Jesus declared who he was, he backed it up with an action to say, these aren't just words, I am. The third one is in John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. And this I am statement stresses that nobody can enter the kingdom of heaven by any other means than Christ Jesus himself. This is one that society today really doesn't understand because society thinks there's many ways to God. And guess what? You search your way, I'll search my way, and when we get up there, we'll high-five each other and say, we made it. You do your route, I'll do my route. And he's saying right here, there's no way to eternity without me. There's no way to God the Father without me. I am the door. You want to go there? You come through me. The next statement he says, I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And with this I am statement, Jesus portrays with his words, his great love, and his great care for humanity, and he is the one willing to protect his flock even to the point of death. I said this to you a few weeks ago, and it it wasn't in my notes. It just kind of came out of my heart. But there's so many people looking for care and protection. They're looking for different things, and they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And a lot of them are looking to other gods and other things to to get enlightenment or to, to find eternity or to find hope or whatever that is, eternal light. And the truth is, is in this moment, he's saying, hey, you can do all that stuff and nobody else gonna lay their life down for you. All those other gods you serve, you gotta do something to attain them. For them to love you, you gotta do this. For them to accept you, you gotta do this. For you to attain enlightenment or whatever, you gotta do this and this. And he's saying, no, no, I'm the good shepherd. In fact, I don't need anything from you. I'm gonna take care of business once and for all. I'm gonna lay down my life because I am the good shepherd. I'm gonna allow my body to be broken. I'm gonna allow my blood to be poured out because it's part of the plan from I am. He goes on to continue to say, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. Yes, I'm willing to die, but I'm not willing to stay dead. He made this I am statement immediately, listen to this, before raising his best friend Lazarus from the dead. Again, we see Jesus not just using empty talk to teach and to convert and to twist, but to prove I am the resurrection and the life. And I believe in that moment they were like, what do you mean resurrection, life? What are you talking about? Now let's go see my buddy Lazarus. Oh, dude, you're too late, man. You didn't hear? They didn't call you, you didn't get the text? Jesus, we tried to get all you three days. If you'd answer your emails, man. And he said, where is he? Because I am the resurrection and the life. And they took him to where he was wrapped, and he stood outside that grave. And with the authority and the power of I am, called Lazarus forth. 
And old Lazarus come hobbling out of that tomb all wrapped up. And they begin to shed the grave clothes. I believe they had a moment there where again, epiphany, a little emoji with the mind explosion. He just said he was the resurrection and life. This dude's been dead for four days. What, what is going on here? Maybe he is the I am. Maybe he is Yahweh. Maybe he is God. John 15, we find the final one. He says, I am the true vine. This final metaphor, I am statement in the gospel of John, it emphasizes the sustaining power of Christ. We are the branches. He is the vine. Everything that we have, everything that we receive in this life that's good, it comes down from the Father of lights. That's what the scripture says. It comes from the source. And he's using the picture of a vine because they understood vines. I don't know if you know much context about the time that we're talking about, but they drank more wine than they did water because it was more accessible than clean drinking water. So when he uses the illustration of the vine, everybody around him understands what he's talking about because a lot of them were farmers in that trade, in that industry. And he's saying, you want the life? Hook up to the true vine. And when you hook up to the true vine, you become the branches. And then from the branches come the fruit. And guess what? How will they know you're my disciples? By the fruit that you bear. He's saying if you want to be that and you want to have what you've seen, it only comes through a relationship with me. My prayer for for you as we close over the next few weeks that you would take some extra time and you would walk through these I am statements for yourself. Don't take my word for it. In fact, don't ever take any preacher's word for it. Welcome home, Julie. My cheering section's home from college. So many people are so gullible, they just take some guy on TV's word. Or they go to a crazy church and they hear something and they adopt everything into that belief system without doing the homework themselves. I pray that you would do some homework this week and you would realize Jesus isn't just some guy. He wasn't just another prophet. He was. He is and always will be the Messiah. God's son sent to earth to rescue his people. Just as he called Moses to go and save his people that had been slaved for 400 years. The disciples are experiencing this all over again. Wait a second. You're here for us? We're enslaved? I am. I am. My prayer for you, and, and, and then I'm praying for, for, for this church, is that when we come and worship together and we read the scriptures, not just another good time, not just another Sunday, we realize that he's speaking to us. And he's saying, I'm with you. And here's the thing, when you're with me, I, I know the way because I am the way. So many people confused and lost. I don't know which way to do this. I don't know which way to get there. Jesus is the way. So many people and in, 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 in they're lost looking for truth. They're looking for truth 
And some of them will say, well, well, Jesus, you know, he had some truth. No, he, he is truth. Well, yeah, yeah, I believe that he had some truth. No, no, no. He's not one of a hundred truths. He is truth. All truth comes and flows from him. And then the life. John 10, 10. So clear. There's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He seeks he goes around proying, roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He said, but I have come that you might have life. Not just average life, not just boring life, not just mundane life, not just grinded out life. Like I've come to give you a life and life more abundant. One translation says, a life bigger and better than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. What's he trying to tell us? You know the way because you know me. Follow me and you'll meet the Father. You know me. You know the Father. You've heard my voice. You've heard the voice of the Father. You've heard him say it all through the Gospels. Why only do what I hear the Father tell me to do? And so when I do these things, you're seeing the way. This is the way that the Father wants us to live. And this is the truth that comes packaged with it. And here's the life you've been hoping for. Every person that's alive, they have a hope and a dream for a better future. Right? Can I talk about this just for a minute if you guys are... Everybody believes that one day we can solve suffering, right? It's never happened. One day we'll solve the starvation problem around the planet. It's never happened. So why would we believe for that? Why would we believe it's possible? When we see things that are crazy happen, people go in and shoot schools up and, 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 and kill innocent people, we would say, what is it? We would say, that's inhumane. We can't even understand that. But yet we believe it's possible to live in a society without that, right? The only way we'll ever attain those things is through Him. There's something in us that you were born with a hole, a gaping hole in your life that connects you to the Creator who designed it to be perfect from the beginning. You were just born in a time where it's broken. But for every one of us, we can hear the, the message of the gospel and say, I believe there's hope for humanity. I believe there's hope for my marriage. I believe there's hope for insert whatever's going on. Well, where is that? That's because it existed before you did. It's what... It's what one preacher called phantom pain. They say when you have an arm or a leg or an appendage removed, that some people still have phantom pain even though the leg has been removed. They still feel that pain. How is that possible? How is it that we feel the phantom pain of all these things? It's Yahweh. It's God in us, drawing us and wooing us back to Him, saying it is possible with me in your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment so I can pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I believe your word's true. I believe your word above any other thing that would try to tell me what truth is. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on a cross to pay the, 
price for my sin. I believe that he did. He came to redeem me, to, to buy me back, to pay for my sin. And then on that third day, you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you raised him from the dead. And I believe the scripture for what it says today that he's seated right now at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. I believe he is, I am. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus for yourself, personal, I'm not talking about going to church and knowing who he is. I'm talking about having a relationship with him. Do you know him? You know his attributes. You know his character traits. You know him for yourself. He is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. And before we go, I just want to introduce you to him. I want to give you the opportunity to connect with him on your own. If you've never met Jesus and you say, man, I want that. I want that in my life. We've made it very difficult as religious people. You got to do this. You got to do that. You can't go here. You can't wear that. can't act like that. Jesus accepts you as you are right now. And he loves you just as you are. The Bible says he's knocking at the door of your heart just waiting to be let in to reveal himself to you and the plan that he has for your life. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you don't know truth. And maybe you don't have the life that you believe you really deserve. It all comes through Jesus. If you want to meet him, I'd love to pray for you. Would you just put your hand up and put it right back down? Just wave it at me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to meet Jesus. I see you right over here. I got you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to see Jesus. I see you right back over here. I want to meet him. I want to know him for myself, not somebody else's story of him. I want Jesus to be real in my life. If you're here and you want that, he'll meet you right where you are. The Bible says if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw nigh to you. Take that step of faith today. Just raise your hand. Let me pray for you all across the room. Anybody else want to join these brave individuals? I see you. Yes, ma'am. Say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Maybe you're watching this online at home or at work. You say, man, I need Jesus. I'm lost. Just let them know right there in the chat box. Type it in there. Say, hey, what's up? I pray with me and our, our team. We have an online team. They'll pray with you right there. He's going to come meet you right where you are. Anybody else all across this room say, pray for me. I need Jesus. I see you, buddy. Yes, sir. Let's pray together. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer and you were brave enough to raise your hand. I commend you today. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're, maybe you're not brave enough to raise your hand. I commend you today. All you got to do is pray it. Let's say this out of our hearts. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe that you sent him. Just like you sent Moses to rescue your people. I believe he died. And he was risen again to reconnect me with you, my Father, the great I am. So today, in front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare Jesus as the Lord of my life. Amen, amen. Come on, would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer? Maybe would you come? If you prayed that prayer, we're going to have a prayer team down here in just a few minutes. They would love to connect with you. Uh, they've got some materials they'd love to get you to talk about, give to you to tell you about your first steps and kind of what it means to begin this new journey with the Lord. Or maybe you're here today and you say, man, I just need prayer today. I, I'm going through some stuff. I need somebody to talk to. 
We've got an amazing group of people that are going to be right here at the front of the auditorium before we go. Before we do that, would you stand? I'm going to ask my wife to pray over all the moms on this special Mother's Day as we close, just to send you out with a blessing and a covering, let you know that we're with you and we love you. All right, mamas, would you just hold out your hands uh, to receive what he has for us today? So, Father God, I thank you so much for these women. I thank you, Father, that you have called them for such a time as this. I thank you that you have graced and equipped us to raise the gifts that you've given us in this day and this hour. And, Father, right now, I thank you for supernatural strength. Lord, for those of us who are weary, for those of us who are tired, for those of us who feel like we are uh, shouldering a burden alone, Lord, I thank you that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one where our strength flows from, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, that as we lift our hands in worship and praise to you, you fill us with your spirit. And as you fill us with your spirit, you fill us with wisdom and understanding and discernment to be able to lead our children in such a way that brings honor and glory to you. And Father, as you stirred my heart this morning during worship, I pray, Father, right now I take authority over worry, over fear, and over anxiety. Lord, I take authority over thoughts that are contrary to your word and therefore contrary to your will. And I command you as women to rise up and take your place, to surrender to the call on your life, to speak the word that has been deposited in you for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, that our children, our disciples taught of the Lord. Great is their peace and undisturbed is their composure. I thank you, Father, that we speak with wisdom upon our lips and that our instruction is a guardrail for our children as they grow. And lastly, Father God, as you instructed me right now, Father God, speak to every physical body, to every ailment, Father, to every disease, to every sickness, to every hereditary thing, to every chronic thing, to everything that is trying to come upon these women that is contrary to your word. I speak life and health and healing in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that your blood flows through their veins and therefore life and life more abundantly is what they experience on this earth and in this life. In Jesus' name. And Father, for those for those that today is a little bit difficult, for those whose mothers have gone before them, for those whose children have gone before them, for those who are mamas in their hearts but have yet to hold their children in their arms, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the comforter and the counselor that only you can be. And I thank you, Father, that you are the giver of life. So right now, those, Father, who have yet to conceive their own children, I speak life into their very womb. In Jesus' name, your body must line up with his word, and it must line up with his will. And I thank you, Father, for your children that will be born through these women. In Jesus' name. I speak blessings and favor and grace and strength over you today in Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name.